Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development, and each Friday we invite our listeners to take 10 and get the latest economic insights from our in-house economics team. And good morning to QIC's Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Morning, Craig. Matthew, I was walking our local streets of Collaroy here in Sydney last night and saw Christmas lights starting to appear in houses for the first time. It begs the question, do the Peter family uh, put up the Christmas lights this time of year? Yes, it's a it's a family tradition. Uh, we have the lights, not you know, tastefully done, Craig, and we have the Christmas tree. More the Christmas tree is what's really important. In fact, my daughters are visiting us this uh, year from Melbourne, and we must have the Christmas tree up, which reminds me, I'd better get cracking. Well, I think COVID's making people want to get that out earlier. Um, but let's get into the economic update. Uh, Matthew, I was hoping you could help solve an economic dilemma I feel is starting to play out. This week, we had a number of experts fearing a fiscal cliff if both JobSeeker and JobKeeper weren't extended beyond Q1, despite the government announcing that $3.2 billion supplement to JobSeeker. We also had consumer confidence data released showing it is the highest since 2012. And accompanying this, the CBA announced loan deferrals have dropped to 2.9% from almost 11% at the peak of the COVID crisis. What would cause households, Matthew, financial stress to abate so quickly? Oh, yeah, you're right, Craig. Uh, We've really been getting some positive news out from the household sector. As you say, consumer confidence has rebounded. And uh, that trend's likely to continue given the developments on the COVID vaccine and the ongoing easing of restrictions in Victoria. And of course, you know, the related uh, border openings that will occur in the other states. Uh, We're also seeing it reflected in the housing market uh, with not only the loans, but uh, also with house prices and building approvals turning around. Uh, Look, I think the better than expected handling of the COVID pandemic, notwithstanding the problems in Victoria, is one of the main factors that have um, led to improved household finances. If you remember, Craig, when COVID first broke back in March, the government was warning us that the national economy was going to go into hibernation for six months. Um, uh, Even in Victoria, that wasn't the case. And, you know, many businesses have managed to continue trading through working from home or at least uh, keeping their doors open, albeit at reduced capacity. I think the other key uh, factor is the JobKeeper um, program and the JobKeeper supplements. Uh, In fact, if you look at household income, it's actually risen over this uh, last six months, despite the fall in employment and wage growth. So those two factors, I think, have contributed to the better uh, outlook for household finances. You're listening to Craig Valenzuela and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our chief economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us through the current economic factors that are shaping your investment outlook. Matthew, is Australia out of the recession as the Morrison government has claimed this week? Well, uh, of course, a technical definition of a recession is two quarters of negative GDP growth, and that happened over the first half of the year. But with the September quarter now looking positive and with us poised for even more solid rebound in the December quarter, uh, I think that's what's causing the government to call for an end to the recession. But while signs of uh, recovery from the bottom of the cycle, they're, they're promising, of course, um, I don't think it means we can claim we're out of recession, particularly when the falling economic activity 
uh, was as large as the one that we've just experienced. You, you've got to remember that the, the economy lost over 7% in the first half of the year. And even if we have the bounce back that most of us are now expecting over the second half of the year, the economy will still be down by over 4% from its pre-COVID level. So I'm not sure that we're out of recession. And at the end of the day, uh, with the unemployment rate at almost 7%, I'm sure that it doesn't feel like we're out of a recession to many families in Australia. Well, hold that thought just for a bit longer here, Matthew, because the government also claimed the comeback is underway. Yet it's not even two weeks since the RBA dropped the official rate down to 10 basis points and, of course, also kicked off that significant quantitative easing program. Did the RBA potentially make a mistake, Matthew, and miss that rosy outlook? Well, no, I think the RBA is interpreting the outlook more in terms of where the economy is compared to where it should be if we had full employment and we're producing at our potential uh, uh, level of output rather than just you know, looking at growth rates. Um, as I said, by the end of the year, we'll still be at least 4% below our pre-COVID level of uh, production and probably 6% below our potential level of production. Uh, and of course, the recessionary level of excess capacity is, is most obvious in the labour market where the unemployment rate is currently around two and a half percentage points higher than it should be if we had full employment. And it's going to be probably two years from now before we get back to that level consistent with full employment. And we've also been commenting a lot lately, Matthew, as well, the, the support the RBA has been given the government with regards to its, uh, its fiscal deficit, deficit position as well. You're listening to Craig Balanswaler and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our Chief Economist, Dr Matthew, is assessing the current economic foresight shaping our investment outlook. This week on ABC 730 report, the US's top infection expert, Dr Fauci, heaped praise on Australia's approach to managing the COVID outbreaks. However, with the US dealing with the biggest outbreak to date, 144,000 new cases overnight, and reports Europe is at 92% capacity on ICU beds, as a nation, Matthew, are we really able to cocoon ourselves from the effects of COVID globally? Well, Craig, it can't be good news what's going on with the two uh, major global economies, the US and Europe, and uh, the lockdowns that are occurring throughout Europe at the moment. And that's bound to punch a hole in global growth in the December quarter. Uh, in the US, even though COVID case rates are still moving higher, they're they seem to have a greater preference uh, for individual freedom and uh, for the economy over the collective health of the nation, which means uh, they are keeping their economy open. So the hit to growth there probably is not going to be bad, as bad in Europe. There will be, I think, a hit to global growth. Now, the hit to global growth is most directly transmitted to Australia via trade linkages. And while we don't have uh, a large trade trade exposure to the US or to Europe, we do to China. Now, it turns out the US and Europe account for about 30% of China exports. So a, a drop in demand from those two regions is going to be a big negative for the Chinese economy. But paradoxically, uh, that may not turn out to be such a bad thing for Australia if, as has been the case, typically China responds um, by ramping up stimulus measures particularly focused on infrastructure and uh, housing market support. And both those measures, Craig, uh, increase 
China steel production and therefore our demand for our iron ore and for our met coal. And both of those are, are, are positive factors for the Australian economy. Matthew, it's also been nearly two weeks since polling began in the US election and it's proven to remain a global market factor. We've seen world leaders congratulate Biden on his victory, whilst Trump has, has filed a lawsuit in Michigan recently for unlawful counting and had that win in Georgia to recount their five million ballots. What's the most likely outcome now, Matthew, in the US election from your viewpoint? Well, a, a number of the swing states are continuing to count votes and uh, the Trump administration, as you say, is contesting uh, the results. Um, but in reality, the margins in those key states are very large in favour of Biden, um, such that in the absence of overwhelming fraud, uh, voter fraud, there is really no pathway for a Trump victory. And, and to sort of, if there's if there's any doubt, Biden really only has to carry Pennsylvania to win enough electoral college votes to uh, to officially get the presidency, and there he's up by 50,000 votes and rising. Um, the Senate, though, is a different matter. There, the Republicans have won 50 seats, and the Democrats have won 48 seats. Two seats remain contested in Georgia, and will be decided. Uh, in a runoff in early January. Now, George is uh, somewhat unique in that the winning candidate for a Senate seat there must have a majority of votes. Um, and the president, uh, the presence, I should say, of uh, independence uh, meant that neither the Democratic or Republican candidates had a majority in that first round of voting. So now it goes off to the runoff. Um, but it's unlikely that the Democrats will win both seats there. But if they do, the Senate seats will be tied 50-50 between the Democrats and the Republicans. Uh, and that means that the deciding vote on legislation will be cast by the Vice President, Kamala Harris, uh, who's obviously a Democrat. But with uh, the likely division between Democrats, uh, between the moderates and the progressives, it's not clear that even if Democrat, the Democrats get control of the Senate just by the casting vote of the Vice President, they'll be able to marshal enough uh, discipline that they, amongst the uh, Democrat senators, that they can deliver policies in a consistent way. Uh, way. And so really that blue wave style of control of the Senate that was touted, um, you know, which would have required a majority of around four to five seats, that's not going to happen. So we probably won't get that type of blue wave effect. Matthew, thanks for your insights this week. And it's also wonderful to know that there won't be a Clark Griswold moment up in Brisbane at your house. It's also been a week which marked the 102nd Remembrance Day in Australia. So in summary, the Australian economy is improving and being supported by the Morrison government's ongoing stimulus efforts and now positive statements as well. However, the RBA is showing us we still have more to do with higher than normal unemployment remaining combined with lower than normal production. And the markets seem to agree. Whilst we have had the markets react very strongly with that Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine announcement early in the week, the financial reality of the current COVID wave has seen markets continue to price in that economic impact of the pandemic. I'm Craig Valenzuela for QIC's Take 10 QPod and have a super weekend.